So, obviously, we're, um, we're kicking a series off this morning called The Gospel According to Taylor Swift. Um, I've got a little bit of work to do to get us to the passage, but while I'm doing that, you can find Acts 28 in your Bible. Acts 28. If you're not familiar with the Bible, that's New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. That's as far as we preach because I don't know anything else after that. I'm not sure what the order is. Um, so let me just say this, uh, just a couple things right up front. We won't do this every series, but let me say this at the very, I mean every week, but at the beginning of this series, let me just say this. Um, most people, which is true of most artists, either love Taylor Swift or they hate Taylor Swift. Um, I'm just going to say this, kind of the numbers would indicate that maybe more people love her than hate her. She's 25 years old. She's worth anywhere between 200 and $240 million. That's million dollars. Um, her bank account is not the only thing that's growing. As a matter of fact, Time recently did an article that talked about the influence of Taylor Swift on this generation. I don't know if you're a Mac person or you're a, a Microsoft PC, Android. I don't know who you are, where you are, but his, here's what I know is true. Apple rolled out Apple Music. They said they were going to give people three months free trial. They weren't going to pay artists during those three months. And so Taylor Swift puts a note on her blog, and her note on her blog about how wrong that was made Apple change their mind. Apple doesn't change their mind. She's got influence. It's growing. Let me be clear about this. We're not doing a series on Taylor Swift to tell you that she should be a role model for your kids. We're not doing a series on Taylor Swift so that you'll buy her next album. We're not doing a series on Taylor Swift so that your, your kids can say, Pastor Paul said it's okay for you to buy me tickets to her concert. We're doing a series on Taylor Swift because it's impossible to live in today's culture and not know or have heard of her. And we want to ask this one simple question. What would happen if the church could use the message of culture to speak a greater message to culture? What could happen if the church could use the message of culture to speak a greater message to culture? The church has done a great job of talking to culture. Have you noticed this? But talking to culture is not the same as culture listening. Taylor Swift is talking to culture and they're listening. She's communicating, maybe better than some preachers. I was at a funeral one time. I'll never forget this. It shaped my ministry. I'm at a funeral. I'm sitting in the pew, and I'm, I'm watching the funeral unfold. I'm not a part of it in any way, shape, or form. I'm a youth pastor at the time, and I watched this preacher. He talked for a long time at the funeral, right? And the whole time he talks, there's no movement. There's no motion. There's no, nobody's crying. Nobody's smiling. It's, it's like we're at a funeral, right? Like eyes straight ahead. It was like He's talking, but something's not connecting. And then when he got done, he, here's what he said. This is what cha shaped my ministry from this point forward. He said this, the family would like to share a song now that was special to their loved one. And I watched this old gentleman stand up, and he shuffled up to the front, and he hit play on a really old CD player, and the twangiest country song I've ever heard in my life started to play. Three notes into that song. Shoulders are, hot, are, are, are heaving up and down, heads are dropped, family is bawling. And here's what I thought. The preacher couldn't connect, but something about that song did. And I don't want us to be a church that just talks to culture. We want culture to hear. And so sometimes that involves a conversation. It means that we want to take the message of culture 
and use that message to speak a greater message to culture. Taylor Swift communicates. Her songs connect. People listen. I have to admit, sometimes that person is me. I am going to be turning my man card in for the rest of the series. But I will get it back in October. I can guarantee it. Sometimes we get in the car and I give my kids the power of the DJ. Do you ever do that? Because I have Bluetooth in my car. And so I give them my phone and I'll say, hey, you, you, just, you just DJ. Um, sometimes while we're going down the road, depends on what kind of mood they're in, the song you just heard will come on. They'll play a, they'll play a Taylor Swift song and, and they'll start to sing and, and so will I. And, <laughs> and I'll dance. And maybe you've been behind us in the car and gone, that dude is crazy, and I probably am. There's something about her lyrics. I dance, I lip sync. But while I'm doing all that with my kids, here's what I'm also doing. I'm listening to the lyrics. And I'm asking myself, is there anything in these lyrics that I can use to help point a culture to a greater message? I believe that there is. See, Jesus talked with people in his day like Taylor Swift sings to people in our day. He used common things that people could relate to. I, I joke around about Taylor Swift like, don't ever make her mad. She will write a song about you, right? She uses everyday things that people can relate to. You can relate to breaking up. You can relate to heartache. You can relate to people making you mad and wanting to shake it off. People can relate to that. Jesus, he took things that made sense to people, and then he showed them a different, unexpected meaning behind it. He could pick up like a mustard seed and go, you've seen this a lot. And they'll go, oh, yeah, that's a mustard seed. Well, let me tell you, this is like the kingdom of God. And they went, do what? Church people call that parables. I call it communicating. And so what would happen if we use the message of culture? And in this series, the messages from Taylor Swift and use those same words. And I could equip you. So that when you're in Walmart, if ever they play a Taylor Swift song and somebody's singing it, you can go, oh, I've heard that song. Have you ever thought about this? So this morning, first week, we're going to talk about Shake It Off. If you're in Acts 28, that's where we're going to begin. I'm going to read the first 10 verses and then talk to you for a few minutes and then we'll eat snow biz. Acts 28. Once safely on shore, we found, out that the, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire. They welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Verse 3, Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it into the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, that's a good picture, isn't it? It's just hanging there. Check it out. It's like, it's like a middle school kid. Dude, check that out. It's hanging there. They said to each other, this man must be a murderer, for even though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. If you're a chief official, you have to have a name like Publius, right? Oh, Publius, right? That's his name. He welcomed us to his home, and for three days he entertained us hospitably. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. That's not a good thing. Paul went in to see him, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, 
They furnished us with the supplies we needed. Let's just talk through this, these 10 verses. Um, I don't know how you read the Bible, but when I read things like um, once safely on shore, those four words make me want to go back and see what just happened, right? So if you go back and read the chapter before that, you'll find that Paul's on a ship, that they encounter a really bad storm, and that during the storm they have a shipwreck. And so while the ship is just kind of adrift, they, they run aground. So that means that the, like the ship just runs up and hits the, the ocean floor. And the ship stops, of course, right? Because nothing can, can move there. And they all jump off. They swim ashore or they grab planks of wood wherever they can. They all make it to shore safely. And that's where we pick it up. So it's kind of like castaway, but a lot of people, right? And so they're all on this island. Like, where are we? They're on an island called Malta. The people there are nice. They recognize that, hey, these guys just got shipwrecked. It's good to have you here. Let's build a bonfire. So they got a little bonfire going. Maybe they're doing some s'mores. Somebody's whipping out a guitar, right? Maybe they're singing, shake it off, shake it. I don't know. And right in the middle of the party, right in the middle of the party, Paul gets some wood, puts it into the fire, and because it was a cold night, there was a viper inside there, and the heat of the fire kind of revived it, and it jumped out, and it bit him on the hand, and it hung there. Now, we don't know what kind of snake it is, but we do know from their reaction that they expected him to die. I mean, that's a, that's a crazy story, right? Can you imagine, like, you're visiting somebody, a snake bites you, and then they just watch you the rest of the night, just waiting. Should be any minute now. He should be dead. Just a few more minutes, probably. He's not even swelling up. Weird. I mean, so they're expecting him to die, right? And our key verse is in verse 5. It says that, but Paul shook it off into the fire. So, so long before Taylor Swift was around, Paul was the first person to shake it off into the fire. That's really important, isn't it? Because I think some of us need to learn how to take attacks that happen to us, and we need to learn how to shake it off. If you've lived any amount of time, then you already know the truth of her words, that there are haters, aren't there? And they only know how to hate, hate, hate. And they hate us. They attack us. And so what the question this morning for you and for me is this, what do we do with attacks? I know some people, this is what they do with attacks. Snake bites them and they're like, sweet trophy. And that marks them for the rest of their lives. And they become full of poison and bitterness. And all they can think about is that stupid snake that bit me and it's hanging there. I can't get rid of it. The snake bite, the attack jacks them up. And they miss the whole point of the gospel according to Taylor Swift which is in the gospel according to Jesus Christ, that when we are attacked by people, we need to learn how to shake it off. Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and, you know, he's just kind of giving them instruction and preparing them for life after he leaves. And he tells them this. Luke 17, verse 1, Jesus says to his disciples, things that cause people to sin are bound to come. Now, the last half is pretty clear. Woe to that person through whom they come. 
But what he said at the beginning was this. The things that cause people to sin, some versions will say the things that cause people to stumble. Some versions, I think in the King James says, it is impossible for offense not to come. John Bevere says it like this. He says, Jesus tells his disciples in that verse that opportunities to be offended are inevitable. Opportunities to be offended are inevitable. Have you seen this? Have you found this to be true? Like all it takes is bumping into one person, having one conversation, and you can walk away from that conversation so mad at somebody, so offended, so ticked off that your day is ruined. And every time you think about the conversation, you get madder and madder and madder. And what you've got to see from what we read in Acts 28 is that you just got attacked, you just got bit, and you're holding on to it, and you're allowing the poison just to start going through your body, your spirit, your soul, your mind. What are we going to do with the tax? Because Jesus said at some point, we're going to find ourselves on the wrong side of the haters and the fakers. We're going to find ourselves with an attack from an enemy. The million-dollar question is, how do we handle those attacks? And Paul said, I'm just going to shake, 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 shake it off. Shake it off. I don't think he wore the shorts that Chase was wearing. Because it was cold. But he shook it off. And we would be smart to do the same. I want you to see what happened when Paul shook the snake off into the fire. Before, when he's at the fire, he gets, he gets bit by the snake. What's their first reaction? Aha! I knew it! You snake-attracting murderer! I knew you were something about you, man. There's something about you wasn't quite right. You came floating up on that piece of wood. Like, like, and then you crawled out of the sea. And now you're here. And there was just something wasn't quite right about you. And now I get it. You are a murderer, and justice has not let you escape. And now you're going to die, and we're going to watch. And when he didn't die, what happened? Like, suddenly he went from being a murderer to being a god. Now, that's, that's a swing, isn't it? It's crazy. All in just a matter of maybe an hour. He's a murderer, and he's a god. And because he's a god, they take him to the most important man on the island, who just happens to have a father who's sick with dysentery, we won't go into what that means, but if you're ever around somebody with dysentery, what you don't want to pray is, in the name of Jesus, come out, right? <laughs> no, heal him, but stay in. It's not good. And, and he prays with this man. This man is healed, and because this man is healed, other people on the island that are sick come to him as well. And we see in verse 11 that after three months, they put back out to sea. So for three months, they're on the island of Malta, Great ministry, all because Paul shook off the attack that everybody else thought would kill him. So let, let me just tie the gospel according to Taylor Swift back into the gospel according to Jesus. We all know the Taylor Swift song, Shake It Off. We know the version, and basically I'm going to paraphrase it here. What she's basically saying in this song is, there are plenty of people in this life that are going to hurt you. There are plenty of people in this life that are going to say things about you. You're going to get bit by snakes. You're going to get attacked. And what she's saying is this, look, no matter how hard you try to hurt me, I'm just going to shake it off, and I'm not going to care about you anymore so that you can't hurt me anymore. But that is not Jesus' version. 
You've got, to, you've got to see this, okay? That's not Jesus' version. His version of the gospel is not just shake off the people that hate you. Just let haters be haters. and Just let them go off and have a hater convention and you get on with your life over here. And never, ever, ever interact with them. That's not the gospel according to Jesus. Because if the gospel according to Jesus meant that he could never be around haters, you and I would be going to hell now. Because Romans 5.10 says that we were the haters of Jesus. There's something about the gospel that's very different than the song that we just heard. Yeah, we need to shake off attacks, no doubt about it. But when we shake off the attacks, we want to follow the example of Jesus. And instead of him just shaking off what we did to him, the Bible says that he took it on himself to bear our sin on the cross. Our enemy's like a snake. He loves to bite us. And it's a sad reality, but... Why is it that he likes to bite us through the people that we're closest to? And why is it that he likes to bite us through people who are following the same Jesus that we're following? Many of you are back in church for the first time in a long time. But you know why you haven't been in church for a long time? Because somebody in the church bit you. And you're like, I'll just shake that off and I ain't never going to come back. And that's as good as the gospel, according to Taylor Swift, can get you, is shaking off the attack, but separated from everything that you need and everybody that you need. But the gospel, according to Jesus Christ, says, I will take on the sin in you that would make you be a hater. And I will carry that to the cross. I will take it upon myself and I will die for that so that I don't have to step away from you, but I can step close to you. And have a relationship with you. Satan will do anything he can to create a wall between me and you. And his only real option is to do that through preferences and offense. And when's the last time you had an argument with somebody over preference? Isn't that crazy? Well, I like it this way. Well, I like it this way. Well, you're an idiot. Well, you're a bigger idiot. And we have all these squabbles over preferences, and at the end of the day, neither one of us is really right because they're just preferences. And it's crazy how we argue, and this wall gets built up. And then if we're Taylor Swift, what we do is this. Well, the haters are just going to hate, hate, hate. Except like we're manicured, hair, the whole thing, and we're making millions of dollars, right? But what do we know from Jesus in Ephesians? That Jesus watches haters build a wall. And he brings a sledgehammer, and he destroyed that wall so that the two could become one. This is the gospel according to Jesus Christ. Philippians 2.7 says that Jesus took on the nature of a servant. He didn't shake that off. He took on the nature of a servant, and he went to the cross for us. I'm so glad that Jesus, although he knew Taylor Swift and probably loves Taylor Swift for sure, I'm so glad he didn't take the advice of her song. I'm so glad that he didn't just shake us off. Taylor Swift says this, shake off the attack and save face with the attacker. And Jesus says, shake off the attack and give grace to the attacker. And that's hard to do. 
And, and as we come, we wrap this up, we start landing this. Just think about this. I know that's hard. I know it's, we think, I don't want to be around people that are going to hate on me, that are going to hurt me, that are going to fake. I don't want to be around those people. But what I'm telling you is this, the gospel, according to Jesus Christ, doesn't give us that luxury. What we know is that we're called to make disciples. We're called to be involved in people's lives. And so when we're involved in people's lives and they hurt us, we can't just go, oh, well, I'll just shake you off into the pits of hell. We don't have that luxury. We already know this from our other series. We're supposed to step into the water because they need to be rescued. We're supposed to redeem them back to Jesus. That's what we're called to do. And if we're called to step into the fire to rescue people who are drowning, if we're called to rescue people who are heading to the fires of hell, then don't you know they're going to tick us off at some point? They're going to say stuff like, this is not your business, but out. Make like a tree and leave. They're going to try to shake you off, right? But we don't have the luxury of just turning our backs on them. And the reason we don't is because we have a Savior who set us a different example. He set us an example of somebody who was hated on, and yet he went to the cross to make sure that he could give grace to us as we hated on him. The Islanders... I, I love this. We, we talk about love all the time because, you know, we're the church, so you've got to talk about love. So we say, we quote that verse that says, they'll know that we are Christians by our love one for another, right? And we talk about that all the time. Like there's no point in us coming to church, having a great service, and then going back out into the city of Albemarle and the county of Stanley, like how I did that, and just like hating each other the whole time. Because if we go out and do that, if we can't get along out there, what does the world say? They say, well, see... What you think you had in there is not real because if it was real, you could, you could live it out here too. That's why Jesus said, you'll know that, they'll know you're my disciples when you have love one for another. But you know what happened in Paul's life? Do you know what the greatest example was to the people on the island of Malta? That he was different? It was because he got bit by a snake, he shook it off in the fire, and the poison did not affect him. Is it possible that the greatest testimony to the world of the grace of God in our lives could be our ability to shake off the attacks that are sure to come. Have, have you noticed on um, Facebook and Twitter and any other social media that will be invented between tonight and tomorrow that people are easily offended? Have you noticed this theme lately? Like just get on social media and just say, I like whatever. And somebody's going to be like, that's great. And people will be like, well, I can't stand it. I mean, people are so offended. I can't believe that you said that about them. And what do you mean that those people are? It's just crazy how offended we are. It's like our entire country is walking around on eggshells, right? It's nuts. Is it possible that we are living in a time that we're living in so that the world that walks on eggshells and is easily offended can see a difference in the people of God who are not easily offended? who instead had this amazing ability supernaturally given to them by their God to shake off the things that they can't, the world can't shake off. They can't shake it off. No matter how much they sing that song, no matter how many times the rock lip sinks it, it's not working. They're trying to shake it off, but the very fact that they're trying to shake it off proves that they're holding on to the poison that's trying to kill them. The only hope we have of shaking off attacks is in Jesus Christ. It's our only shot 
And so the world is watching you. The world is watching you to see what happens to you after you've been bitten. Here's the big idea. It's probably not the best one, but it's, it's the one I came up with. Sometimes shaking off an offense is the best defense of the gospel. Sometimes shaking off an offense is the best defense of the gospel. What do I mean by that? I mean, it's like somebody hurts you. They, they, um, they say things against you that aren't true. They slander you. You try to help them. They bite you. You get attacked. That's normal. Snakes hanging onto your hand, that's normal. I mean, not really. I'm, I'm petrified of snakes, but like just as an example, right? This is normal. For people to attack you, that's just part of living. It stinks, but that's part of living. This is normal. The question is, what do we do now? And when we shake that offense off and we move on, the world that is watching us goes, wait a second. They didn't post that on Facebook? Because I was going to like like it and share it and really get that rant mobile going. They didn't share that on Facebook? They didn't talk bad about the other person in return. Like, they really shook it off, and it doesn't even seem like anything's, I mean, because I've been watching, like, I've been watching for them to blow up and start to swell up and cuss. Nothing? They, they, haven't, they haven't fall over dead? Like, their faith in Jesus is still intact? And the world that cannot help itself, that can't help but be offended, notices the church not offended and goes, wait a second, wait a second. Something is different about you. Why didn't you fall over dead? And just like Paul, shaking the snake off in the fire, not allowing the poison to affect you, that opens a door to share the message of Jesus. I mean, I want to give you hope, but I want to be real with you as well. And can I just say this and then we'll wrap it up? How many opportunities have you missed to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people in your life because of how they saw you? Hold on to attack. When you could have just shaken it off and followed the example of Jesus and gone as a servant to serve instead of holding on to bitterness. How many people have watched you and you've lost the opportunity to speak into their lives? Because when it came right down to it, the way you handled an attack wasn't really any different than the way they do. And that sounds so, ugh, you know, I get it. I mean, I'm hearing myself say it, and I'm thinking about me, and how many people have I lost a chance to, to share Christ with? But let's just flip it around, okay? Let's flip around and talk about the positive side of it. How many people could we share the gospel with? How many people could we talk to about Jesus if we would simply handle attacks the way Paul did? If we would simply shake off the attack. Because I'm telling you right now, the world knows that you've been attacked. Shoot, they probably attacked you, right? They know. And now they're watching you just to see when's he going to die? When's he going to give up? When's he going to stop doing the church thing? Because I know it's really not real. He's been going for decades, but it's not real. At some point, he's going to kill over and die. And they're watching. They're waiting. They're hoping that you fail. And just like Paul, man, 
shaking that bite off into the fire, when they watch to see how you handle the attack, I believe this. Man, when you shake it off, the power of God in your life begins to take off. And isn't that what we want? Don't we want to be marked as different? We want the power of God in our lives to take off. It only happens when we get attacked and shake it off and allow God to use us to reconcile the relationships, even the ones that have tried to destroy us. So you can walk out of here this morning um, singing Taylor Swift. You can adopt the gospel according to Taylor Swift, which is, I'll just shake off everybody that hates against me, and I'll just move on with my life and do what I want. In other words, that I can't say from the pulpit. Or you can walk out of here this morning, and you can say, you know what, I get it. The message of culture is you can only go so far. You can't have a relationship with everybody. And so people that are hating against you, you just hate them right back, shake them off, and move on. But a greater message to culture is this, yeah. That's exactly how all of us are, and I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't stop us there and say, well, too bad, you're a hater. But he went all the way to the cross to ensure that you and I could have a relationship with him, that he could change us from haters to brothers and sisters.